A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be talking about food thieves in the deep dive before we address some audience questions and issues from the internet. But first, the daily stand-up. Before we do that, Frank, I got a question for you. All right. How the hell are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing quite well myself. I just want to double check. We hadn't we hadn't had that heart to heart in a couple episodes. I just want to make sure make sure that your whole business in general was doing good. But you're doing fine. I'm doing I'm doing absolutely wonderfully. That is great. Actually, I'm a little sweaty. It's a little (laughs) hot down here. Yeah, the, the, the temperature jumped from like 45 degrees to like 75 overnight. So yeah, we're going to have like hella tornadoes tomorrow. All right. Health check right. over. Uh, I think the health check is over. Thank you for checking in though. That means a lot to me. It really, really does. I'm glad. All right. Now shut up and do the day stand up. All right. <laughs> uh so, it is apropos of nothing and completely random. I think I saw it on a meme the okay. other day. This There's um, no way this could end badly. I, I want to talk today in the daily stand-up about the smash hit toy of 1992. <laughs> Jesus Known Christ. as Earring Magic Ken. Earring Magic Ken. Earring Magic Ken. I'll, uh, I should, you should look up, uh, an image of this, but I will send you, uh, a link. What are you doing to me, Frank? Holy shit, he's in a boy band. Holy shit. (laughs) So here's, here's the thing. This was like the best selling Ken doll that they have ever produced. And we will we will preamble up into the reason why. Okay. So apparently in the early 90s, uh, Ken was not selling very well. And their focus groups with girls suggested that Ken was not cool enough. I mean, I get it. Like, he, he really had no defining features whatsoever. Like, polo, chinos random shoes and and that's it like and and i mean no genitalia so no no fun could be had by anybody with that oh yeah no he he is completely uh no fun ken (laughs) no fun ken well um so they they did you know the focus groups that suggested that ken needed to be cool and so they sent (laughs) out some folks to research what was cool in doing this research on what was cool (laughs) <laughs> they sent some people into the rave scene oh, of the early Christ. 90s. Are you kidding me? Well, the rave scene of the early 90s was populated very heavily by gay men. Right, because it's the first time that people had you know, not been openly uh, discriminated against them in a super strong fashion. So they're like, you know what, you know, let's, uh, let's go to these parties and see what kind of fun we can have. And so, like, uh, like his his outfit apparently is like off the rack, nineteen ninety, <laughs> gay rave club, uh, couture. Like, this is one hundred percent what you would have been wearing a couple years before it was actually produced, had you been an in the know, uh, member of the homosexual community. Now, if you wow. will look. Hanging around uh, Earring Magic Ken's neck, uh huh, you will see a a large silver ring, uh huh. 
So this was something that they saw people wearing. Oh no. Is that supposed to be club. a cock ring? Yes, it is. <laughs> there's an accessory you ask what it is holy shit they just saw all these stylish guys wearing these chromed rings and he's even got some extra ones on his uh on his little vest there i mean just in case your buddy forgets his i suppose and and i i think they were they had intended these to be like places that you could attach charms and things like that like the earring Uh magic uh you know, part of this, but he was the best selling Ken doll ever produced because when it landed, all the gay guys were like, holy shit, they made a gay Ken. (laughs) They made one for us. Oh, holy (laughs) shit. And so apparently he flew off the shelves. Oh my God. I cannot, I mean, I can, like, I know people and the depth of obliviousness that people have, but, uh, but yeah, you gotta ask about the accessories before you just start mass producing them on a fucking child's toy. Yep. I, oh. They just thought it was like some sort of very stylish pendant because everybody had one up in the club and, <sighs> you know, faithfully reproduced it. And of course they, you know, they walked it back and almost immediately discontinued uh Cockring Ken here. <laughs> Cockring Ken. <laughs> but the damage but see, was kind of done. Yeah, that you cannot close that box after you open it. Oh man. This uh this delights me in ways that that I cannot express with words. Um both the fact that, you know, basically a you know kind of a snapshot of the early uh, late 80s early 90s you know gay scene has been uh has been taken and displayed so gaudily um but also the fact that somebody in a boardroom got a memo like in the middle of like <laughs> 10 or 12 stuffy dudes they get a memo or like an assistant comes in it's like sir uh i need to talk to you for a minute it's like well, johnson what, what is it what smithers is wrong? Yeah, Smithers. There we go. Uh, Smithers, we really don't have time right now. We, we're really going over these la- latest numbers, which are fantastic, by the way, uh, sir. Um, <laughs> it's just been it's just been told to me that the uh, the, the circle on earring Ken's neck it's actually a cock ring. It's like <laughs> you can just hear all the all the cigars fall into the the scotch across the room, and uh, people are thrown back into their seats. <laughs> By the horror of it all, uh, everybody just starts fainting. I, you know, they, as I said, they they desperately tried to walk it back. Like, oh my god, who would think that this thing was, you know, some sort of perverted sex object? This is a child's toy, but it it was just undeniably like they had <laughs> they had just lifted, copy pasted, you know, the the trendy outfit of the day uh, from up in the club. And and managed to capture in that snapshot, as you said, some of the the very specific uh, gay signaling from the early '90s. Like I looked it up just a little bit because I was completely dumbfounded when I came across right. this. Yeah, I was like, "No, you're fucking with me. This is some this is some made up shit. They did not accidentally make a super gay Ken, or <laughs> if they made a super gay Ken, it was you know completely on accident." Or every every Ken, let's be honest, seems pretty right. gay. Like, yeah, he's he's a well put together man, right? Like they don't have schlubby Ken. Yeah, I'm in love with this. Like, this is I, I'm not gonna say this is tasteful because it's it could be further from it. But oh yeah, it is, no. It, but it is beautiful. Like, I mean, he ha- he basically has like uh, a mesh pink shirt, uh, stylish denim vest. Count them one, two, three cock rings, um, <laughs> and uh, and a and a smaller one in his ear for his less well endowed friend. Um, <laughs> he's really got it all. And the single earring was also apparently like a gay uh, signal, right? Uh, at, at that you know point in time, so like they just they just made a big gay guy <laughs> like that's. <laughs> 
God. But I thought okay, that, so, so that would bring a it, smile to your face. It, and it and it has. But I'm just I'm just curious. How the fuck did this come up, Frank? <laughs> like, I don't what, even remember. What like, corner I've, of the internet did you have to traipse through to get this stuck on your shoe? Like, I know some <laughs> weird fucking people, Derek. <laughs> I mean, I'm I I understand. Uh, I get. There's it. a reason for private browser windows. <laughs> Where we're going, they don't have any roads. Where we're going, we don't need cookies. Oh. Which I'm sure it was on Tumblr. Which I'm not like. I'm not necessarily on Tumblr. On Tumblr, mm-hmm. but I know people who are on Tumblr. And so right. I, I am given many things that are from the Tumblr. Yeah. And I, I think mean, I, that's I had, probably where I, I came across it somehow. Yeah, I had my stint in Tumblr, you know, years and years ago. <laughs> if if Twitter is like taking a drink of water, Tumblr is literally like turning the fire hose on someone. Like, it is just a constant stream of all things. Good, bad, whatever. It just... All things are streaming directly into your eye sockets, and you can't stop it. And I realized that it would be difficult for me to keep up with that, and you know, make money. So, uh, so I took my, I took my <laughs> farewell quite long ago, and have have enough time between like uh, <laughs> cute memes and moral outrage to uh, to have a day job. Right. Exactly. Man. <laughs> Whoever found this, uh, they they deserve like a gift card to somewhere because <laughs> this is beautiful. Yeah, no, it it. I laughed so hard, like while I was looking it up, and I was like, I now this this has to be something that I discuss with Derek because <laughs> I knew that you probably had never heard of that magic, which is the earring magic, Ken. No, I mean, I, I pride myself on knowing a lot of uh, random shit that nobody has any business knowing, but this certainly was not among them, and you have enriched my life in ways that I cannot, uh, with words, express, so. <laughs> and see, the good thing about this is now you know about the earring magic, Ken, but it is I who have now downloaded an entire encyclopedia to my brain of uh, random factoids and shit about early 1990s gay culture like right. not that you're gonna it have is to, ever... have to pepper that in occasionally i i don't know how or where like i don't know <laughs> at what point 25 year old gay uh memes are going to be in any way useful to anyone I, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I think I could probably set you up with some some sort of alley-oop at some point. I'll be on the lookout. I'll, I'll keep that in the back of my mind, uh, that any time I feel that we may be kind of at risk of doing some sort of tangential glancing blow against uh, early 90s gay rave culture, <laughs> I'll make sure to step right in it. I'll, I'll, I certainly will we'll stop the bus, and we'll make sure that we uh, that we get off. Oh God! <laughs> uh, oh, this has geez. been a delight. Oh, it is. Uh, it is one of those just little, little nuggets of beautiful from from the internet. Uh, but speaking of nuggets of beautiful, or nuggets in general, mm, want to get to the deep dive? Chicken nuggets. Let's do it. Yeah. Do you like so, that transition, Derek? That was that was quite good. Um, yeah, that was fucking skillful. <laughs> no, that was a terrible goddamn transition. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I was going to give you a little bit of credit, but but yeah, that uh, not not your best work, but you know, it's fine. It, it's a it's a solid B B minus. Yeah. So the topic for the deep dive today, as uh, our illustrious Frank Eastman said in the intro, is food thieves. Those rapscallions of the office that just go into the fridge and just start rifling around and steal your fucking food. Those thugs. Being a a portly fellow, uh, if I bring food to the office, it's for one of two things. It's either I found, you know, I had leftovers that were so good that I couldn't leave them at home and, and risk, you know, them not being there when I got home. I wanted to be the one to consume them. Or... I'm on a diet, 
and you know just any old food around you know from restaurants and whatnot will not do so if i bring my food you bet your ass i'm planning on eating it and uh a significant portion of my day is is spent uh thinking about it or planning for it or something and Derek, lo and behold I've, I've seen your uh on a diet meals uh-huh and i don't know who would steal those i i understand like i've seen that you you were horking down like 75 cubic inches of plain brown rice and 16 you know grilled chicken breasts completely yeah, there, naked there was, and without flavor yeah there was a bit of time where i was dialing it in a little bit and went a little too far in one extreme and the first couple of weeks of this diet i uh, i thought I thought y'all were gonna have to just wheel me to the <laughs> to the ER because that was far too much food for a human to consume. Um, even though it was diet food, like that was that was on my meal plan, but for some reason or another, uh, I did not think about the fact that like literal three and a half pounds of food for lunch is probably not not functionally good. But <laughs> but no, but I mean, go, but I, nobody on. nobody commonly steals my stuff <laughs> because I don't bring anything worth stealing. But um, for the rest of everyone who you know, you'll you'll look in the fridge. Like I'll go to put my meal in there, and you'll see you know some leftover pizza, some leftover you know Chinese food. I mean, you see a lot of good stuff in there, and you know people are you know. If anyone takes joy in food like I do, if they put something in there, they expect for it to be there. And there are a certain set of people, you know, bottom feeders that we may have talked about before, that for some monsters. reason or another, monsters, ne'er-do-wells, yes, ne'er-do-wells, uh, people that think that anything in the fridge is fair game which is not even close to in the rule book. Like, in in fact, like on most refrigerators in an office, there is a sign that says, if you didn't put it here, don't fucking touch it. Like, <laughs> it, it is explicit that Typed if out you... Typed out in Comic Sans. Right. Uh, that, I mean, at least you notice it that way. Like, it does produce some sort of, like, visceral response, uh, but at least you pay attention to it, so that's good. But... Who in their right mind would would actually look at other people's food in the fridge and say, you know what, that rule doesn't apply to me. I am going to be the one who eats this food. I mean... Now, are we talking about purely like leftovers and or home prepared food? Or are we talking about prepackaged frozen dinners? I mean, I think it can be both because, you know, I've, I've had, uh, you know, before I started eating like a rabbit who occasionally eats chicken, um, you know, I, I would, you know, sometimes bring like hot pockets and stuff like that. Uh, there have been occasions where I'd go in there expecting there to be two hot pockets and find a lone solo hot pocket where someone else has, has grifted. <laughs> the other what hot low down no good yellow bellied son of a bitch done <laughs> ate my second hot pocket <laughs> uh i actually i actually found out who stole that one and uh yeah i i was not surprised i was like you know i knew you were a prick before but now you're a hot pocket stealing prick and that's just a different flavor of the same thing i suppose yeah, um, that's a firing offense I think so. I mean, <laughs> you know, and and we've mentioned me being a manager of some people from time to time. Um, I I I don't know if I would fire somebody on the first offense, but like if I could clearly tell that this person was just unapologetic and was stealing food from other people, um, I mean, I would that would be a serious corrective behavior. Like you you would have to sit them down and explain to them. Like start from the start. Oh God, start from the beginning. Like when you are with, whenever you, when you are around other people, there are certain social contracts you have to adhere to. Let me name them all. 
and then <laughs> we would we would go on and say, okay, of that list of social contracts, which ones do you have a, a problem with, or do you feel don't apply to you? Sit there, listen to them, let them say all the social contracts that they think don't apply to them, and then at the end say, okay, you're wrong. All of those apply to you. Next thing. I don't know. I, I, I would have a hard time, like, giving somebody too many strikes for this one. Like, you know, once, okay, maybe somebody worked in an office before where <laughs> where the <laughs> the refrigerator was just like some fucking Wild West. I was going to say some no man's land where just anything goes. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the just the chaos that would that <laughs> would ensue. So here, here is, I, I've got two items for this. The first, do you have any good fixes for this, Derek? Clearly. Uh, in, my, in my throes of agony over the, uh, the missing Hot Pocket, and, and in other instances where uh, things have gone missing, or I, I thought to myself, how would I deal with this? You know, there are some fairly detailed plans. The, the first of which, which I think is um, probably the least abrasive version, is to put something in there that doesn't taste good. You know, put something in there that will just make them go, ooh, this is gross. Maybe some of that uh, that spray that you can spray on furniture to keep dogs from licking it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, like, just like put some stuff in there. The only problem with that is that I feel that uh, I feel that people would just think you're a bad cook. So, you know, only put that on stuff that's already pre-prepared, like Hot Pockets and stuff like that. Um, that would be fine. So, now, I could see, like, for me, I could, like, go in there and I'd see myself maybe, like, absolutely just fucking up that pizza with uh-huh. insane levels of hot sauce. Right. Like, just some of that, uh, some of that unconscionably hot hot sauce. That was going to be step two. Uh, step two is, you know, something in there that, you know, humans are not meant to consume. Um, you know, ghost pepper, Carolina Reaper pepper, um, you know, things that no longer are actually food products. They are not food additives. They are, are just literal pain incarnate. That is Shit what... where, where you're putting together your lunch with like a face mask and a lead apron <laughs> and an eyedropper just... <laughs> shaking hand holding it out one drop hits it and then quickly you slam the lid down on it you can't let the mushroom cloud that comes out escape like it's important that you that you keep that contained or else uh you know i mean it could cause you know bodily harm but that's really where most of the flavor is in that little mushroom cloud that comes off of it yeah no that that's the mushroom cloud of flavor Right. But yeah, I would definitely want to use some hot sauce that would involve like they take one bite of it, O Fortuna starts playing loudly in the background <laughs> as they make a mad dash for the restroom. So that that is that is definitely one that I think uh it I think it would bode well if like you you stood around and kind of st- st- you know staked out the place to to watch it happen. Um because you know that would be hilarious to see. And that's going to be that's going to produce some pretty immediate results. Now, uh, the third option, and I will preface this. I, I should have prefaced this from the, from the fucking get go. Uh, none of this is actual advice, and if you do this, like this is probably HR violations. And like we've got you know, two two warnings at the front <laughs> of this show. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, we are we are double double covered as far as this goes. The third option is laxative i mean that's that's a serious thing like messing with people's innards like that's not normally something that (laughs) that i want to 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 happen in the workplace um i don't want anything that i do to cause like some sort of uh physical distress on somebody else yeah this is uh this is not something i would recommend as a first offense but see my other flip is the old canard of putting the laxative in there, like that's a known quantity. People mm-hmm. people know about that one. I'm thinking, what if you spike that shit over a long period of time with a modium? Okay, and just give them the constipations. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going in the opposite direction. It's the opposite direction. It's a slow burn. Ooh, ooh. See, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, um, because because Frank. 
let, let's be a little blue here. Uh, regularity is something to be prized. And, <laughs> <laughs> and to take that away from another human being with a uh, working, uh, well-balanced flora and fauna of the gut, that that really sounds like a much deeper crime than uh, than than making things work a little more quickly. Shit, so you, you do this, and then you just walk by Janet's desk every day, slowly <laughs> and pointedly eating an Activia. She's got no idea why. <laughs> just that apparently you really like that yogurt. <laughs> oh man! Um, Until later, all becomes clear. So, my oh, twisting things on its ear, have you, Derek, with complete honesty, ever stolen anyone's food from the fridge? You know, my my first instinct is to say no, uh, because I cannot recall one where I have. But at the same time, uh, there are certain instances where I feel... Uh, you could get away with saying that something wouldn't be missed. Like, you know, let's say that somebody has, you know, ice cream bars or something, you know, and they have like that, <laughs> that Costco pack of ice cream bars. Like I said before, I do not recall doing this. Uh, if there are like 30 of them in there, I could see one going missing and nobody, nobody having a problem with that. But uh, but no, I think that's the only situation in which uh, it can at least be overlooked. I'm not saying that it's that it's okay. I'm just saying that there's a little bit of gray area on those. Now, my take or or my uh, normal strategy for this, uh, because you know when <clears throat> being a portly fellow, um, occasionally I'll see food that somebody else has, and I'm like, hmm, that looks good. And uh, occasionally people will be like, hey. I've got a spare one, you know, do you, do you want one? So, you know, I take the avenue of actually, you know, building rapport with people. And if they happen to have stuff that's cool around the office, we'll, I'll go in half seas and we'll have it in the, the freezer for, you know, whomever pitched in. It's basically like the, uh, the coffee jar, but like for ice cream sandwiches, I suppose. Um, obviously this is, this is my, former life where tasty things were part of my diet, but as opposed to 75 pounds of plain brown rice. Yeah. I, I cannot directly say that I was guilty. Um, but I'm not going to say that I was never a starving college student. Like there may have been one point where it's like, nobody's going to miss like one sixteenth of this. Wait, okay, that that actually sounds really bad. I'm not I wasn't like <laughs> going in into their their Chinese food, eating a 16th of it and then putting it back in the fridge. Fuck, no. Okay, Frank, you. Uh what about you? Have you ever stolen anything from the fridge? Yes, I have. Oh shit. Okay. All right. No, I and like it is a it is a thing that I have done um at at previous uh places of employment especially when i had like long uh nights okay where you know like i'm stuck at the office and it's past past dinner time right and it's just like me and maybe one other person in the entire building and i've gone in there before and been like man i am hungry i can't leave let's see what we've got going on in here <laughs> and, and that night Someone came up a missing on like <laughs> one of those Annie's bowls or something. Right. <laughs> and, and, and on the other hand, like I've, I've done that when keeping an eye on what's in the fridge, like just going in and out of the fridge with my own food. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll see it's like, there's that frozen burrito that's been right. in there and you know, that bastard's been in there for three months now like yeah. it is no longer even very good right i mean it, it's a little freezer burned but you know that that it's been in there for a while see my my problem with that is that uh i could see the situation where uh you know they leave something maybe not something tasty per se but just something uh 
you know, something in there that, that is not, it is not yours. Uh, and then, you know, they're leaving in there until a certain thing happens. We don't know what that thing is. Maybe, uh, they're, they're, they're waiting for that call from their, their child to say that they got an acceptance letter to some prestigious college. And as a reward for that, they had that burrito in the fridge waiting. And you decide to take that burrito that you oh so high and mightily assumed that nobody else wanted because it had been there, been in there for so long. You didn't realize the treasure that that person was saving. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of a weak narrative because I don't know who the fuck <laughs> their celebration would be to dig, dig into a three month old freezer burrito, but I mean, it could happen and you have stolen it from them. And, and that's true. And for that, I will probably have to pay for with the rest of my sins, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in the by and by or whatever, but no, I got no shame about it. Yeah. At, at this point, if we're like counting your sins, I think that could probably, yeah, that's, that's towards the bottom of the list of things. <laughs> I mean, you know, physical harm, um, you know, other spiteful things that you have done that actually cause like property damage. Those are probably top of the list, but I think that, uh, food crimes, uh, probably not going to make it too high on, on St. Peter or whomever's, uh, list of things. Um, These are the stories of the food crimes unit. <laughs> Man, I would watch the FCU. Holy yeah, shit. No, for real. Oh my God. What? Man, that would be fantastic. Like basically like you <laughs> you just go in there and you see the uh the coroner around like uh an empty uh hamburger wrapper on the floor. <laughs> like drawing chalk around it. <laughs> All right, the detective's name has got to be Sunday. Oh my god. Oh, Detective Sunday. Oh man. That would be so fantastic. Well, if if the whole podcasting thing doesn't work out, maybe I'll get into uh, television writing. I'll uh, I'll pitch a pilot for uh, the food crimes unit, and I'd really appreciate that because here's the thing: uh, there are a few things that make me like just really bummed when I when I think of that about them, knowing that they don't exist. This may be like the most prominent one. Like I want, I want Law and Order FCU, like. <laughs> Dung dung, <laughs> <Choo -choo. laughs> Dick Wolf just sadly <laughs> signing his name to the end of this. Look, at this point, you know that that Dick Wolf is not particularly proud of any one thing he's done. Like the he's doing he's doing shotgun television production, and you know it's kind of like Stephen King. Like Stephen King, if you want to make. Uh, you know, make some sort of movie about one of his works, like, by and large, he will let you. Like, he doesn't he doesn't take a whole lot of creative control over stuff like that. If you give him money, he's like, you know what? That's fine. You you do you. It's, you know, it's going to be based on my story no matter what. Uh, but if you fuck it up, that's your business. Um, I'm pretty sure that's Dick Wolf's deal at this point. Like, <laughs> with the 45 versions of Law & Order that have been out there, Chances are he's he's not had full creative control over all of them. Now I'm just sad for Dick Wolf. <laughs> Look, uh, I don't think you should be sad for Dick Wolf at all, um, except for the fact that, and I don't think anybody has ever made this joke at all. But I mean, his name is Dick Wolf. Like that's got to be is, tough. Uh, he is some sort of uh, terrible pack uh, predator. I mean, he should have at least, like, cut him off the pass and gone by, like, Rick Wolf. Richard. Richard Wolf. Something like that. Like Rick Wolf sounds like someone who would star in a Dick Wolf production. This sounds like a like, fucking WWE wrestler. <laughs> like, and here comes Rick Wolf. Oh. Because <laughs> that's some metal fucking blasting over the speakers. Oh, no. Um, All right, Derek. Would you like to do an audience question? Let's do it. Hit me. I recently attended a wedding. The bride and groom cut the cake with an actual samurai sword that was passed <laughs> down from when the bride's grandfather 
ran a POW camp in Japan during World War II. Mm. Am I right in feeling this was a mortifying, disrespectful, and tone-deaf act, or is it simply a way of incorporating something from her grandfather, who she was very close to, in a major way in her life? Sent in by Bewildered in Birmingham. Oh my god. Uh... Yeah, that that is tone deaf, and uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that's fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> because I, it, it's one of two things: if people know the backstory, they think you know your your grandpa was a terrible person that imprisoned Japanese people during the World War II. That's bad. The second thing is they think you're some sort of like strip mall ninja and really wanted to incorporate <laughs> your collection into the wedding ceremony either way you are not good like this was a bad thing to do (laughs) yeah like part of me is like okay i get it uh it was war and it was a very long time ago and i i can't necessarily say anything about grandpapa and his decision to bring back some spoils of war Mm -hmm. but i mean we aren't the fucking huns like you can't just you okay i i i'm going to be feel free to cut this frank but i i don't think it's a good idea to bring back spoils of war in the 21st or 20th century like that is barbaric oh, like, as fuck yeah i i don't depending on exactly what happened if this was like i was in japan and it was world war 2 and we were an occupying force and I straight up, like, stole some family heirloom from someone that I yeah. imprisoned. Yeah, that's not a good look. Because that, uh, if it's, it's like... Before you continue, went to you're hitting mall. on it. Like, like, you're hitting on it right now. Like, that is the problem. This fucker may have stolen another family's heirloom. And now, your wedding is is parcel part and parcel... Victim or not victims, uh, accomplices to this fucking crime of stealing a an artifact from another family. What the fuck, man? <laughs> like I have I've read about situations where like you know really old vets, even up until recently, have you know that some of the few that are still alive because God, they're all like in their nineties and shit at this point. But you know, even up until a few years ago. Who had come back bringing things that they had, had essentially looted. Right. And then, like, getting in touch, trying to find out who this belonged to, and repatriating, you know, these family relics back to the people who originally owned them in Japan. I mean, that's the best of a bad situation. Like, you probably should not have, have like, fucking rifled through these people's shit to begin with, but... You know, at least we end on a heartwarming note. Like, I realize that stealing things in wartime is the same as stealing them outside of wartime. Not a good thing to do. Kind of a dick move. Uh, yeah. Here, here's your stuff back that you haven't seen in sixty years. That that sword that is in, you know, your your family's history, like. It's it's written in scrolls from like the 1600s where your family, what you know, forged this sword from the fucking fires of Mount Fuji. Is, is Mount Fuji a volcano or is it just a mountain? Uh, I think it's just a mountain. Um, okay, just just pick a volcano somewhere near Japan and like edit it in. That's fine. Um, but like forged in the fires of Mount Doom. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, that's not what I said at all. <laughs> Everybody knows Mount Doom is not in Japan, but no, like it's in South Jersey. Oh man, okay, I'm, 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 I'm getting hot. Let's uh, let's say something <laughs> funny about this. Come on. <laughs> so here's the thing: what's the chance that this is not, in fact, some family heirloom that you know was brought back? What is the chance that this is actually like I was in <laughs> Japan? Not long after, like in the 1960s, before right. anybody around here was born, and I was in the military, and so I pick up this 
what is essentially a mall katana. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and bring it back with me from Japan. And then I start telling everybody that, you know, like, this is some treasured object that I picked up during the war. Right. 20 years ago. I mean, I would say decent chance. Like, you know, it's been a long time since, like, you know, the Edo... Uh, or like feudal Japan and things like that, like where, you know, there were actual people who, you know, would defend their families with, with melee weapons of some sort. Like it's been a long time and I don't think there are probably a lot of those swords around. And if they are, they're probably in a, in a museum at this point. Um, so my guess is that, yeah, <laughs> he was either stationed around Japan, like near that time period, like you said, before anybody that would have cared was alive uh, and just like picked it up to five and dime <laughs> got himself a family heirloom. <laughs> oh. And that's like, it's, it's difficult to, to make any sort of determination there. I don't know. Like I don't see just because, all right, here's, here's me. Like there is the whole possibly uh, politically and, uh, morally fraught element of using what was probably, possibly, essentially spoils of war right. in my wedding ceremony. <laughs> and then flip side, part two, there is who the fuck other than a gigantic weeb is going to be like, man, what I want to do is use the mall katana to cut my wedding cake. Oh my god. See, I like, mean you would have to have a disclaimer in the fucking <laughs> notes for the like the RSVP that goes out for the wedding. The invitations all say, by the way, I'm going to be using my family's heirloom katana that my grandfather brat brought back from the war <laughs> so that no one shows up to the wedding and is like Okay, which one of these is such a gigantic fucking nerd that they decided they wanted to cut the wedding cake with a goddamn mall sword? Yeah, that seems like something you definitely need to put on the save the date stationery. Like, that needs to be front and fucking center. Um, that's a good point. Like, did they have, like, some sort of, like, uh, I don't know, a slideshow or something? Or some sort of, like, provenance uh, reading before they did this to, to prove that they were not just like, like you said, just like fucking weebs that <laughs> they wanted to karate chop uh, the, the cake with a sword. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. See, the, they the, had the, a slideshow <laughs> beforehand, but it was actually just black and white stills from Kill Bill, too. <laughs> since and, and since, uh, you know, they probably haven't seen the movie. Nobody knew that what, it, what it was and they were appropriately fooled. Um, except for they were probably pretty disturbed as to why Uma Thurman was in it. They, they may recognize Uma Thurman. Um, your grandfather was David Carradine. <laughs> uh, there are bigger problems, uh, <laughs> with your grandpa being David Carradine. <laughs> uh, he went out in a rather, uh, undignified way. So... Probably that's, not like, best. That's to... all he gets anymore. <laughs> that's that's just the th like I don't know how I'm gonna go out, but I just hope that I don't go out in flagrante de horriblecto right. <laughs> with just so, like they come in and they're like, "Holy shit, is he? He is." I don't even think I could get my leg into that position. <laughs> And that is for, like, whatever else that I did with my life, that's the last thing anybody ever knows about me. Like, you bring me up and it's like, Frank Eastman, oh yeah, that guy who died, insert terrible, horrible but, thing. But I mean, that, that's just the shit, isn't it? Like, that, that's, just, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Like, there are a lot of people, like, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go out on a limb here, but, you know some people like James Dean, like James Dean obviously had a very illustrious career and people remember him for a lot more than, than the way he died. But the, the thing that people start with is like, you know, James Dean died in a car crash. Like that is what people know. And so it doesn't matter who you are. Like if you have any amount of fame, like unless you just like 
died quietly at home, people will remember how you died. Like Prince, Michael Jackson. No, I mean, like, yeah, I guess to some extent when you talk about people who've passed away who were famous, uh, you know, how they died tends to come up a lot. But at the same time, I'm sure even then I would probably be the big bopper. (laughs) You know, I'm the other guy that died in the plane crash. And I, I, yeah, honestly, if that's, that's like the, the most lurid tale that people have to tell about me, I think I did okay. Like, (laughs) I don't want to, to go in some precarious position. (laughs) Like, Oh God, he he died during doing what he loved, auto fellatio. <laughs> <laughs> he died as he lived. <laughs> I'll I'll be sure to speak at yes, the funeral. Please Derek. write my eulogy. Uh, you know what I would want. Um, <laughs> no, okay. Um, Oh God! But no, so yeah, unless there's like some significance, uh, or some significant like going back through the provenance of this, like during the wedding, yeah, I don't think anybody uh, outside of the wedding party, like the the small wedding party, had any clue what was going on, and like at best, like you know, <laughs> strip mall ninja. Want, Weeb wants to to cut the cake with the samurai sword. Like that's the best thing they could assume. I mean, seriously, what other things could make it okay to to <laughs> to slice and dice your fucking wedding cake with a samurai sword? Anything? I mean, if we're if we're gonna use uh, medieval Japanese weapons, perhaps we cut the cake with a naginata. Okay, which is the long uh the long pointy bit on a stick. Right. So. Uh, uh, then you it would can definitely cut the cake be much from the prettier. other side of the room, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the one with like the really long pole? Yeah, the really long pole with the slashing blade at the end of it. See, I uh, can the other that. thing that I can think of is if you're gonna do it with the katana, then you have to bring in somebody uh, who is Japanese. Like this is we're getting into expensive territory, like right. with the didgeridoo music. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have to bring in someone who will then wear the full Oyori, mm. uh, and, and cut the cake, uh, that way. Oh. And I'm not saying it's going to be tasteful. Like that just sounds tasteless as shit. Oh, it does. Um. But I guess we could do it. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe it's like a fruit ninja themed party and like the, the wedding cake is like a watermelon or something. And they're like having to cut it. I mean, now we've got two issues. One, the fuck with the fruit ninja. The two, but then two, what kind of bullshit is a fruit-based wedding cake? Like, I'm sure if I were to go to the internet, I would find someone who's done this thing who is like, oh yeah, that's uh, it's a completely vegan cake made up of uh, <laughs> seedless watermelon slices, and uh, the frosting is entirely, I don't know, what the fuck do you use as frosting for that kind of the whipped bananas? It's a uh, uh, cruelty-free sugar. Um. Yeah, cruelty-free sugar uh, and bananas whipped to, to turn into the frosting, and I get served a piece of this fucker, and I just walk out, <laughs> taking taking my stand mixer with me. <laughs> From the gift table, like it's like you fuckers don't deserve this. My, our god. friendship is concluded. You served me this watermelon cake. Oh my god, we we are certainly within our brand to to go at length about cakes now. Uh, but you know, wedding cakes are losing a little bit of the like the the definition of a wedding cake is kind of falling by the wayside. Like some of the new ones, like don't even have icing for the most part like they have like some but like not on the outside i mean that's kind of like the way that i feel about sushi like if i'm paying somebody to make me a cake you better ice the fuck out of that thing like i'd I'd better have to get like some heavy duty construction equipment to get to my actual cake like that's how much icing (laughs) i want but they're doing these naked cakes that basically have like a little bit of buttercream in between the layers but that's it it's like you're just not done. Like that doesn't even sound good. Like no. it's a naked cake. No, like, I mean you. You mm. just stopped halfway through. Like I paid you extra to do less to my cake. That's the same way I feel about sushi. Like I love sushi, 
Like it's it's delicious, but at the same time, I have a hard time. Uh, and and I, I'm I'm gonna get blasted because I, I, look, I understand there's a lot of artistry that goes into sushi. I get it, but it's funny to say that it's just that it's you know raw fish, and they and I paid them not to cook it. Like <laughs> like you, you come on, <laughs> come on, the jokes write, write themselves. Um, no, but uh, no, there we need to have like a serious discussion. There needs to be a worldwide governing board that determines what really is a wedding cake or, or cake in general. Um, you know, some sort of definition of done for a cake, because some of these, I don't feel are meeting the definition of done. These were not uh, properly uh, quality assured. I believe. I, I agree, but also you shouldn't cut your cake with a ninja sword <laughs> or the spoils of war. Like, don't cut your cakes with spoils of war, please. That's, you wouldn't roll in like a fucking you know B two bomber plane that that you stole from somebody to cut your wedding cake. You shouldn't bring a samurai sword that that falls in that category either. Full stop. I brought this young child that I took from the <laughs> oh, <Jesus>. war. <laughs> he will now they, cut the cake. They will cut the cake. Oh my god. Oh. All right. You want an issue from the internet? Let's... Yeah, let's do an issue from the internet. <laughs> We've been shitting on this person's family for far too long. <laughs> All right. This is from user Don't Get Work. I've been working at my company for over three months, and I still don't understand what my job is. I'm an eight to five... It's an eight to five office job, and I don't have a job title. I work mostly in a team of eight people there, and they do all the work. No one has trained me, and I haven't been able to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing by reading through my employee handbook. Whenever I ask for guidance, my boss just gives me a very vague pointers full of industry lingo I don't understand. Most of the day, I just look busy in my cubicle, but I'm browsing Reddit and my email. I really don't understand what this company is and what I'm supposed to do here, and I think it's too late for me to ask, but the job is pretty good, so I don't want to leave. What do I do? And Frank, you ride this motherfucker all the way to the <clears throat> bank. You absolutely do. Uh, maybe there is some time in like six months, two years, something like that where somebody realizes that you are literally just a leech on the company. Uh, but until then, you just ride this fucker to the wheels fall off. Like I, I didn't know this had to be answered. Like this is clear. You, there are no questions here. Like. <laughs> Maybe you're some sort of consummate professional that requires that you're like getting better at your skill. Um, nah, fam. If if you could, if I found some job that literally let me like sit in a room and nobody expect me to do anything for you know eight hours a day, I, I don't know if I could turn that down. The only, but my question is, how the hell did you get the job? Like, right. you interviewed. What was the interview process like? Like, hey, you, yeah, want a job? I mean, I guess, sure. I guess technically we don't even know that they had an interview process. It literally could have been like somebody ran in the street and goes, uh, you and pointed them. And now you're a new employee of bullshit co. Um, see, see, I have a suspicious mind. Uh huh. So now I immediately go to why the fuck do they want this guy working there? Right. If he hasn't gone through any sort of interview process. Okay. And why would you think that is? This is another one of those cults. <laughs> Man, everything is a setup for a cult. Uh, Apparently, I'm not the one that writes these things. No. I'm just the one that chooses to interpret them in the worst possible way at every turn. So uh, I'm going to describe a situation to you. And when I read this, this is the first thing I thought. So I'm going to... Describe the characteristics of this job, and I want you uh, to, to raise your hand when you think you know what the situation actually is. So, they have a job. They don't know their title. They just kind of sit around for eight hours a day. They ask their boss what their job is, and their boss doesn't have anything for them to do. Um, so, they just sit at a computer possibly some sort of computer terminal with other like-minded people 
that also don't know what their job is and just kind of sit there doing nothing for eight hours a day. Does that sound like a scenario that you may be familiar with? CTO. Oh, that's also a good answer, but uh, probably not the right (laughs) one. Um, My thought is that he's working for a supervillain because in all Ah. the movies, all the movies, you see... You know, these uh, these rows and rows of people sitting working at computers or, you know, desks and don't really seem to be doing anything. And I think that that's what he's been hired to do. He is one of the extras to provide some validity and paper trail to say that they are a valid corporation and, you know, provide some sort of uh, some, some sort of smokescreen to the IRS uh, until you know such time as they can roll out their like moon destroying laser. So I I like this and I I'm I'm all for it. So I think we need to get back in touch with this person and say at at any time has a costumed hero burst <laughs> through one wall and then out through another wall while doing battle with your boss. <laughs> that could be a pretty big giveaway. <laughs> Or your boss's boss, because it, it could be that your boss is also uh, part of the the sham and doesn't really know what his job is either, so he can't can't explain it to you. Um, is there a big screen in the main room that has some sort of countdown on it? <laughs> that would be a. I think that would be a dead giveaway. So I'm going to go with giveaway too. I'm going to go with no, unless like there's some sort of like a you know, company party or something that's been counting down for the last, like, you know, few, you know, three months, something like that. Maybe, you know, maybe they explained it away somehow, but, uh, but no, if there's a big counter on the wall, I think that would, that would at least raise my suspicions, but, uh, I don't know. I, (laughs) I, I thought of like, uh, like Hank Scorpio from, uh, from the Simpsons where, you know, it's like, (laughs) You know, they, they hired Homer to, like, basically do nothing. And, like, he's like, ah, this is this is a great job, but, like, what are you paying me to do? He's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. And then, you know, he's a supervillain. Um, but, uh... But that's, probably, that's probably a very likely scenario at this point. I mean, the thing is, like, if you think about it, even if it was revealed to you that you were working for a supervillain, like, until shit hit the fan... Like, would that necessarily bother you? Like, as long as the super villain villain wasn't like planning on killing a bunch of people, are are there like some gray areas that you could be okay with? Like, obviously, you are not the right person to ask because there may be nothing off your say, table. Like, everything may be I fair would be game. Like, is there any way that I can find some upward mobility in this organization? <laughs> Where do I see myself in five years? Oh. <laughs> With your job. Right. <laughs> uh, conquering all of the Northern Hemisphere. Duh. <laughs> oh, God. Um, you know, I didn't think about that when I when I, when I asked that question. Uh, so I will, I guess I'll just have to answer it for myself because obviously you, uh, you, you're a real go-getter when it comes to being an underling of a supervillain. <laughs> Um, I'm a self-starter. <laughs> you, you'd be the, uh, uh, the the company that branches off to to start a new branch in another in another hemisphere, so you don't interfere. Um, no, I I mean I, I think there's some limit to like you know what what level of badness of a supervillain I would be okay with with having because I think that supervillain is kind of a a misguided term. Like if they're playing on like we're talking chemical weapons or you know nuclear war shit like that. Yeah, that stuff is a no go. But if they're just like gonna like steal from rich governments and give to poor governments, kind of a Robin Hood supervillain or you know type of guy. I don't I don't know if that's actually that's not a supervillain, Derek. What, what I think would that a super be? Supervillain robs from rich governments and gives to supervillain. <laughs> like that's how that works. I, I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. I mean. There's got to be some supervillain out there that's not trying to kill people, right? I mean, 
You know, it, I mean, the, the only thing I can think of is if it's one of those Bond villains. Like, a Bond villain might be planning on just, like, blackmailing the UN or something. Right. Uh, for for several trillion dollars. I mean, there's got to be some sort of kind-hearted supervillain out there that's looking for uh, somebody with real no upward mobility goals. So if it's not a supervillain, I mean, what do we think this is? Like, do you think it's just, like, some office that has too like more money than they need the only other thing i'm like did you have to take some sort of blood test and are you suspiciously the same blood type (laughs) as someone high in the organization (laughs) see this is this i mean i guess this isn't quite like supervillain territory but it's like in the ballpark yeah i mean i think at this point uh, the best bet is just to like write a novel <laughs> okay. Now we're talking. I mean, you're you're pulling a check down uh at that point you've got uh an editor open uh anyway, so you look like you're you're busy. I mean, this is this is essentially like kind of like an unknown or uh you know, unbeknownst to your employer, they're basically your patron. Like, you know, this kind of shit went on all the time in, in the Renaissance era, like Exactly. You know, you you just pay an artist to just, like, paint shit. Like, don't even tell them, like, don't even have them, like, paint a particular thing. Just be like, hey, man, you're pretty cool. Here's, like, 20 gold pieces. That'll get you by for a couple months. Just go nuts. Like, do whatever you want. Yeah, I think this is that's this is probably what it is. I mean, supervillain is is high on the list of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Secondarily is this person is just wasting... Uh, they're, they're paid patronage. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, maybe that just be sitting there. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe that is part of the process. Like they can't tell you what your art is. Like you have to kind of figure that out yourself and you've wasted three months of their patronage by not figuring out your creative outlet and doing it at the office. Like, Oh, now that that is a terrible place to be. Like, just waste three months of, you know, creative patronage that somebody else has. Uh, I mean, uh, albeit somewhat uh, surreptitiously given you. Uh, <laughs> maybe they should have. By next week, they need to be coming into the office in like paint spattered overalls, uh, setting up an easel in their cube, and uh, and getting to to the actual work. Of being the painter that they always wished they could be. See, I can get behind that. I mean, that's kind of a heartwarming story, uh, all things considered. Like, you know, somebody thought they were signing up to be some sort of, like, mindless automaton in some office environment. And really, they were getting a job as, like, a freelance artist where nothing is, is required. It's just, hey, here's some money. Go nuts. Like, that's a movie I would watch. I mean, I mean, I guess it's not. I would like that. I mean, it's it's not going to be a movie that I would watch, but it's a movie that somebody in Hollywood would pay a lot of money for. So, like, that that's cool. <laughs> so, I think it's it's embrace this that you've been given, and uh, and enjoy your patronage. Enjoy the patronage. Someday you will be in a history book as you know some sort of uh, some sort of savant. Uh, the oblivious savant, you know, did not know that that his career had started. Probably in the the couple weeks after you after you posted this question, you figured it out, and now you are, you know, our era's, uh, you know, Rembrandt or uh, Picasso or Monet. Um, we'll we'll be reading about you. We'll we'll check up on you in a few years. Boy, I don't think we helped them at all. I think we fucked that one hard. I mean. To be honest, I I don't think anybody could get anything useful out of that advice whatsoever. But probably not. But as you said at the beginning, we're covered. Nobody should expect Wanna good advice. Want to punch the clock? No. I'm going to keep interrupting you until you stop trying to punch the clock. How about that? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Frank. Why don't you play us out? No, Derek. I want to keep going. <laughs> It's time for a new segment on work life and balance called And Another Thing. We're going to talk about stuff that pisses me off. 
anyway, Frank, would you like to do the honors? Well, uh, you usually do the outro. Well, we, I haven't let you actually complete the punch the clock line. <laughs> oh, Somebody's got to okay. say let it. Let me see. Just a second. Let me let me get ready. Me, 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 me. Want to punch the clock? Let's do it. If you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on air, send them to questions at WLICast.com. They don't have to be work-related, and at this point, they're pretty much guaranteed to make it on the show. You can also visit us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash WLICast or on Twitter at WLimbalance and use the hashtag WLICast. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. Ching, ching. And I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you <laughs> to the Food Crimes Unit. <laughs> In the culinary justice system, food theft crimes are considered especially heinous. In New York City, the delicious detectives who investigate these tasteless crimes are members of an all-you-can-eat squad known as the Food Crimes Unit. These are their stories. Bow, bow. <laughs> <laughs>